ladies and gentlemen, damas y caballeros. Hola, soy Sergio Maravilla Martínez, estoy Hola, soy Saúl Canelo Álvarez y estás en Este que estoy tocará es el renuente. Escúchame por Living in the Ring Radio. Hey, how's it going, guys? It's Victor Ortiz at LeaveItInTheRing.com. So take care, guys. How are you doing? You're with Abner Mares, and you're right here with Leave It In The Ring Radio. All right. Well, welcome back, everybody, <laughs> to Leave It In The Ring again. Uh, myself, Dave Duenas, with my co-host, Amilcar, who was just letting me know he was on a... He had to go to another podcast. That's why we had the end of the show, which was actually pretty good, because uh, I think we were all talked out of what was going to happen on the weekends. If you missed the show, our um, regular program, don't worry about it. It should be back up uh, and it should be on the archives of our pod, uh, podcast rotation on Pandora and iTunes and whatnot, everything. I'm sorry, I got to keep an eye on the phone just in case, just in case, because we do have uh, Frank Espinoza, I believe it's junior or senior, that's going to be coming on, leaving the ring with us. And, uh, Hopefully, talk to us. I don't make it home tonight. Remember that one day? You better sing me, bro. Huh? Which one? What song? Just in case. Who Just in case. That? Oh yeah, that was uh, 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 KC, right? Well, I mean, he was a remake that, that KC did, but from Joe to see, taking yeah. things way back, way, 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 way back. I don't make. Tonight. <laughs> okay, I believe we got. Let's see. I believe we got me freezing on the screen. I know you did. You're always freezing on the screen. Hold on. Should be getting Frank here on with us. Frank, what's up, brother? How you doing, man? Thanks for joining us. Hey, what's up, guys? How's it going? Good, good. It looks like there's like a little bit of a delay here, but that's all right. We'll work through this, bro. Rob, you want me to try to see what? Want me to call right back? No, no, I think it's on my end uh, for some reason. Yeah, I don't know what's going on, but <clears throat> I think it is on my end. We'll get it. We'll get it all sorted out, though. No worries, man. Hey, first off, hey, welcome back to the show, man. I appreciate you coming through in such a short notice. Hey, man, I appreciate it. Thank you for uh, having me. So let me let's just go right into it. I mean, well, let me ask you, has the has the party ended? Has the party ended yet after this big victorious win? Let me see, Frank, are you there? Hello, hello. I don't know what happened. Let me see. Uh, so I think Frank's going to have to call back in because we lost him. Can you hear me, Milkar? Yeah, I can hear you, Dave. I'm right here. Yeah, I think we lost him. He said, uh, There he is. All right. 
Should get them on now. Let's see. There, there you are. We lost you there for a moment. No worries. How's that? Is this better? That's a lot better. Yeah. So I was asking you, has the party, has the party stopped yet since this big win on Saturday night? Or are you guys still flying high? To be honest with you, it hasn't even started yet. Really? <laughs> yeah. We're, yeah, we're going to be doing some things uh, soon with Oscar and the team. So, uh, yeah, we're really excited. Obviously, it was a big win. Um, but, yeah, we're, we're just barely getting started. <laughs> Man, you know. I want you to walk us through this this whole process, you know, I mean, going to Eddie Reynoso obviously was a great idea and it benefited and, and it showed the reason why I benefit uh, against in this, especially in this fight. And this is not the first time you guys have been in some really big, big fights, but like war fights, you know, uh, Israel Vasquez versus uh, Rafael Marquez brings to mind immediately. But let me ask you is there ever a comfortable moment when you guys have so much riding on a fight do you does it ever ever like a comfortable moment for you guys or or, or are you guys at a like the butterflies are they just uh, you know crazy going on in, in your guys system you know it's a good question uh be honest with you if you didn't have butterflies you shouldn't be in the boxing business i mean this is kind of like we're you know this is moments that we dream of uh as managers to be a part of something like this. So, I mean, 100%, you're excited, you're nervous, you're feeling all those type of emotions. But um, I would be lying to you if I told you I didn't get butterflies or anything like that. But like I said, I mean, sometimes you got to put it out, put your, you know, put your balls on the table right there and, and let them, you know, and let's see who's going to win. And to be honest with you, uh, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. But, I mean, I, I got to tell you, once you win, it's like the best feeling in the world. Something that, I can, honestly, I can't even uh, explain. I can't put it into words. But it's it's a wonderful feeling. Right when Barchet gets knocked down, in that first knockdown, which was a beautiful shot from Oscar, uh, you know, obviously you guys are going to burst out because it was just like a, whoa, like holy shit moment for everybody, right? Right. Explain to me to that exact moment for you guys, you know, sitting there ringside, watching it firsthand what was your guys' sense? Was it like the sense it's, it's over or no, 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 it's too early to celebrate? No, 100%. With a world champion like Miguel Pichot, you with a heavy-handed puncher that he is, uh, one fight, one punch could change the, the whole fight, the dynamic of the fight. So you could never feel uh, comfortable or even if we're, you know, we knew that we're doing good, but nothing to the extent that, you know, we felt like we're comfortable we we kept reminding uh, Oscar, you know, you got to you know keep staying in your zone, keep sticking to the game plan. Uh, but 100%, we did not feel, uh, you know, that oh we had this in the bag at any moment. Um, but it was, you know, like I said, Miguel Miguel Perchel is one of those world champions that honestly, if he hits you clean, it can change. It can it's a game changer. Absolutely. Let me introduce you to my co-host Amilcar. Amilcar, what's your question? Yeah. Um... First of all, congrats on a great win. Um, you know, I I did not think that Valdez's power was going to carry up to 130 the way it did, and boy, was I wrong. Um, luckily, I wasn't one of the only people that was wrong, but I got to give you guys all uh, due and congratulations. That was a tremendous win and one of the best knockouts I've seen in a while and definitely the best knockout so far this year. So here's my question, though. What's next for you guys? Um, you know, who who do you think would be a good next opponent for, for Oscar uh, after such a big win? 
you know, well, I got to be honest. Like I mentioned earlier, the party's just barely starting. So right. we haven't quite had time to really think about that uh, as of yet. Obviously, the 130-pound division is a stacked division. There's, you know, a bunch of great fights that people uh, are that want to see. So these, you know, I know that for sure Oscar Valdez wants to unify. That's something that he wasn't able to have an opportunity at 126 pounds. Uh, he wanted to really unify. And once we weren't able to secure that, we decided to move up. So I think Oscar would love to unify. Uh, and that's something that I can I can only imagine him, you know, telling us that what he wants to do, you know, in the near future. You know, you guys are such a such a tight stable. I mean, you guys have been around for years here, Frank. And, you know, my question is like, how, you know, how do you stay in a unforgiving business? Forget the sport. The sport we know is unforgiving, you know. Uh, it's a tough sport to be in. You literally have to have a little bit of looseness in the head to be part of boxing. But you would have to be really crazy to be in the business part of boxing, like what keeps you guys ground and stay to stay in this business for so long? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, we're boxing fans, just like you, just like the fans at, at home that are watching it. Um, you know, I think it's, and be honest with you, we, the fighters that are fighters, for I can speak of, uh, they, we grown attached to them. You know, we, we treat them like family. Uh, they treat us like family. And honestly, you root for these kids that you see, you see them grow, you see them progress. And uh, obviously you want to see them succeed. Um, but I think to be a part of this is, it, it is boxing is truly a tough business. Um, you know, like you said, you gotta be a little bit crazy. <laughs> but at the, at the end of the day, uh, we love it. You know, we love it. We, we're, we have a lot of passion for this sport. And, you know, we wanna be one of the best managers or if not, you know, just to be respected. So, to, you know, you're only as good as your own fighters. So, you know, we want to make sure that we uh, produce uh, a good environment for our fighters where they can succeed at the highest level. Now, I got, I got a bunch of questions I want to ask you, but I want, to, I want to, you know, walk back to the fight, okay? So, after that knockdown, it, it, it almost seemed, and I had tweeted this out, and I, and I know you follow me, I follow you. I tweeted this out, you know, that it almost felt like Oscar, he, he got the knockdown, but then he kind of, kind of, straight away from the game plan like he didn't bring back that jab um he wasn't having the safe movement he was he was like walking himself backward what were some of the things that was going through your guy's head because it looked like barchette was getting back into the fight did you, did you overhear anything that eddie Reynoso said to him to to get him back into the to, to the fight plan right you know what yeah we did sense that and obviously you get like i said we were never comfortable in the fight and once we saw that Burchell was coming on, uh, this is where it pays off to have such an experienced uh, trainer, you know, Eddie Reynoso. Uh, he, you know, sat down with Oscar, you know, kind of readjusted him, you know, his mindset and said, hey, reminded him, you're in great condition. Uh, you know what? Do you want to be a world champion? Yes. You know, and then from there, he's like, OK, he gives him directions as far as like, this is what you want you to do. You know, I need you to start, you know, using your, your angles, you go back to your jab, use your footwork, all the things that we've been working on getting, you know, try to get him back tr on track of that. And I think it worked because I think uh, in the seventh round or after the seventh round, the eighth round, right. Oscar came right back out. And it was because Eddie Reynoso uh, just kind of got in his head and, and, and kind of readjusted. Like, hey, you know, let, let's, you know, let's get back. Snap out of it. Yeah. Snap out of it. Let's go. We're, you know, exactly. So. 
I think the, you got to commend Eddie Reynoso for that. You, I mean, you really do. I mean, I mean the work that he did with them, especially with that game plan, which I, I had said on last week's show, was that he had to have particular things in his arsenal to make sure that he keeps Burchard's uh, uh, pressure off of him. And it was like they read exactly what I was witnessing or watching, that I, the, like the game plan I would have written up. Um, and it, it obviously did more with their game plan. And it was just a beautiful, beautiful performance. I mean, that was the vibe I got off of everybody on social media watching it live, was this performance was like top, top notch. Right. No, exactly. You know, and, it, and I understand, you know, why people were, were like hesitant to favor Oscar in this fight, you know, because of the previous fights. But, I mean, I think it all makes sense now. Now that you can see that this is kind of like the genius part of Eddie Reynoso. Uh, as we were trying to not change Oscar Valdez's style. You know, he's a naturally an aggressive fighter. So when it's time to turn on the switch for him to be an aggressive fighter, we're not worried that he's forgotten how to fight like that. Uh, if anything, Eddie's wanted to be strict and for him to, you know, where things start to become a habit, you know, as far as, you know, his defense, be aware of your counter, being good position to counter, um, you know, his footwork, you know, as far as like clinching at times when he's a clinch, uh, all this stuff kind of came together. So I, it, it was, it was great to see because you know, what, at the end of the day, we always knew we were going to fight for Chelp. Uh, we knew that that was in our sights. And I think Eddie Reynoso used those past fights as opportunities to say, hey, let's practice what we're using and that we're going to eventually use against Burchell. So, I mean, you can see Oscar was trying to get comfortable with it, and at times he wasn't comfortable right. with it. But it meshed, at the end of the day, it meshed well at the very right time at the big mistake. So, I mean, when he fought Burchell, he was more than ready. He was more than ready. Absolutely. Amilcar, are you there? Yeah, I'm still here. And <laughs> Go ahead. I actually have a question. For, for people that um, might not know you and your background, uh, boxing managing is one of the things that people like know the least about as it, it comes to boxing and getting into the sport. Could you just discuss your, your background briefly and how you became a boxing manager for those that don't know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, uh, my father, Frank Espinosa Sr., uh, that's how I got in. I was basically born in uh, for boxing. So if it wasn't for him, uh, you know, I wouldn't be a, a part of this. But my father's been in business since uh, like 1988, 1989. And to be honest with you, he started off as a bucket a bucket person. Uh, one of his good friends, Albert uh, Alvila, was a former Bantamweight world champion. Uh, and he just loved the sport and he loved being around it. And uh, honestly, slowly but surely, he got involved with it. And, you know, he, he, he tells me he did all the wrong things you could do. He signed fighters that were past their primes, older hmm. fighters. I mean, did it, did everything completely wrong. He made a ton of mistakes, lost a lot, a lot of money, uh, you know, you know, going that route. But it was such. Uh, at the end of the day, like I said, he was. We were always fans, and and our family was, uh, up, you know, we grew up on it. Or you know, as far as watching, you know, Chavez fights, Oscar De La Hoya fights, we all we were just big fans. Um, but I was my, myself. I was basically born into the business. Uh, you know, I've been around since I was probably like 12 years old, going to the Great Western Forum to fights, working corners. I don't think that if I think I don't think that was legal at that time, but but I was, you know, uh, I was doing it, you know, and uh, and I think it was a great experience, and I learned a lot through my father, uh, who's basically seen it all. Um, but it's a tough business, and 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 what if anybody that's recommending or, or interested in being a a, a manager. 
uh, I would honestly say don't quit your day job. You know, you got to look at it as a hobby because <laughs> if I if I or my father were to be 100% into this uh, boxing, we would have lost our ass a long time ago. <laughs> I mean, that's the truth, yeah. Right. But uh, you got to so treat it as a hobby. And could you just describe kind of the mechanics of, of being a manager? So like the day-to-day, like the kind of things you have to do in your relationships with a fighter? Yeah, I mean, you know, for us, you know, we, we intentionally like to – we don't like to have a, a large stable. Uh, you know, right. I think that that's – so for us, I think that works to our benefits because it gives our fighters the uh, attention that they need. Uh, we do a lot with a lot of – but a lot of managers don't do. We actually go to the gyms like on a weekly basis. We go visit. So I mean, it, it does take time, you know, from us to you know get away from our day to day things. But we go there, uh, you know, if, if they need equipment. We're there, you know, uh, as far as helping them get uh, negotiate purses. But as far as with promoters, you have to have a good relationship with. Uh, you gotta you know know how to network with a lot of people because there's a lot of people in this business that you from all promoters, managers. Everything. I mean, it's boxing's truly a small circle, and uh, you know, for you to be involved with it, you got you can't burn your bridges. You know what I'm saying? Because at the end of the day, uh, you can be high up here, but the next day you can be down here, and you're gonna meet that same person. You know, so you got to treat everybody with respect. Um, but as far as like, you know, like I said, we go to the gyms. We're involved with our, you know, our fighters. We like to go to their, um, you know see their workouts we help them out you know when anything they need but we're, we're always there for them you know anything that they need honestly we're there for them and uh i think our fighters can speak you know well of us on that you know it's funny because i was going to ask you what is the limit of fighters that you guys sign on but also what is it that you guys look for before you see even sign a fighter frank i mean uh because when uh, that's why i mentioned earlier you guys are kind of close-knit and uh but i've always wondered what was the process of you Guys going around and what do you guys max out? What's the number of fighters you guys decide to keep in house with you guys? Um, you know, for us, we definitely want to keep less than ten fighters. Uh, anything over that, be honest, it's super stressful. Uh, and then we're not, you know, I think that for us, you know, for us, we don't feel like we'll do our fighters uh, any justice. So you know, we try to you know keep it under definitely under ten. Um, but I'm sorry, what was the second half of the part of the question? How do you go about signing them? Like, I mean, what is the one things you have to see in order to go like, okay, you know, like with you and your pops, you guys discuss yeah. and go, hey, we're going to sign this guy. Absolutely. So obviously you want to know what type of amateur background that they have, you know, whether they fought international, national, you know, those, these are all uh, things that we look at. But if you actually know our track history, uh, we have a good eye for talent. And I take pride in that because all our fighters, they have heart and balls at the end of the day right I can't no trainer can teach that um you know so that's you know we actually look for that you know i want to see a fighter that's willing to do that as far as the technique and stuff like that that could be learned through over time but if they don't have heart they don't have balls i mean we can't teach it you know you gotta have right. something you gotta have but obviously uh definitely a strong amateur background is something that you want to look for and, you know, you want to have somebody that has a, also like a crowd piece and style because I want to invest in a fighter that I would pay to go see. I don't want to invest in a fighter that's going to be, you know, boring, you know. And, and, and you know, so I, I want to have, you know, I'm a fan too. So I want to see a fighter make it fun for the fans. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's definitely part of, uh, you know, the decision making whether, you know, what to sign a fighter or not. You know, earlier today, me and Milkar were talking about uh, prospects. Like when do you decide – to send them out there to find out if they're the goods. 
Um, yeah, I remember talking to Joe Goosen, and Joe one time told me, look, there's got to come a point where you have to find out if they can swim or they're going to sink. When do you, when, could you tell us when, when do you and your dad discuss something and you say, okay, we need to step this up. We need to go talk to the promoter and either give them a tougher fight. Or is that the promoter's job to come to you guys in the matchmaker to say, hey, this is where we think your fighter needs to go, uh, the route that he needs to go next? Yeah, you know, that's a great question because, you know, if you put a fighter in too soon, you can end their career. You can do, truly discourage them uh, mentally. So you honestly have to, and the, the correct answer is it's actually different for each fighter. There's really no, like, I can't say after 10 fights, each fighter is different in their own way. Some progress faster, some uh, progress a little bit slower than the others. Uh, so it's something that you kind of have to uh, have a good uh, sense of who they are, what type of fighter they are, and if they're mentally and physically ready for a step up. Now, we do work with a matchmaker uh, as far as something like that, but to be honest with you, there's times that uh, a fighter's not with a promoter, so that's something that's you know only on us. Right. Uh, so it is a risky chance, but 100% Joe Goosen's 100% right. You have to eventually find out, seek or sue him, because you've got to know what you have at the end of the day. And some fighters have it, and some fighters don't. And that's just yeah. the truth. Nature of the game there. Yeah. Yeah, my next question is actually, believe it or not, kind of inspired by uh, Suge Knight, who at the Source Awards many, many years ago was like all making a comparison <laughs> between him and Puff Daddy. And it's like, you know, if you want someone who's in front of the cameras, all in the <clears throat> video, or you want somebody right. like me. So... My question is from a boxing manager's perspective, at least from your perspective, is it better to kind of be a behind-the-scenes guy, um, kind of working deals and managing things out out of, and away from the limelight, uh, or which is kind of what I see you doing, or or is it is there any advantage to being like a Sam Jones who who manages a Joe Joyce or? A, Ahmet Olmert, who manages the Yildirim, who's like more in front of the cameras and, and talking up his fighter. Where, where do you kind of stand on that? Well, I mean, you know, I guess as a personal preference, to be quite honest, uh, you know, at the end of the day, uh, the limelight, we work for the fighters, so they should be getting the attention uh, forefront. You know, they, they should, they're the ones going out there in the ring. At the end of the day, uh, I walk them up to the ring, but I walk right back down. When the bell rings, it's just them. So they do obviously deserve that attention. Uh, just my personal opinion. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, you're only as a manager, you're only as good as your fighters. Um, fighters, uh, you know, other fighters, up-and-coming fighters, they see, you know, we kind of say, let our work speak for itself. You know, so, you know, for example, Oscar Valdez, we've had him from, you know, when he turned pro debut, and we can see the, you know, how he's where he's at now. Uh, we kind of say, you know, look, look at what we've done. Look at how we can. We take pride in building a world champion. You know, anybody can buy a world champion uh, after a certain age, you know, something like that. But to build a world champion, uh, there's definitely for us, we take pride in that because that's a lot more difficult. It's a lot more patience, um, and it's a lot more riskier. You know, because in the day you sign these guys, they can tomorrow they can get hit by a bus, and you know, right? You don't know. You know what I'm saying? So I mean. But it, but it, but it's awesome to see a, a fighter who you you see from ground up. You talk to them, you know their dreams and their goals, and to actually see them live it and experience it is probably the best feeling they have because it's like you know you're so happy for them, uh, you know because they've earned it. They deserve. It. We've seen their struggles in the gym. 
I've seen how they were frustrated. I've seen how impatient they were. I've seen when they were frustrated. I've seen when they wanted to say, you know, screw boxing or this and that. I've seen it all. I've seen injuries, you know, the jaw broken. I've seen everything that you could think of. And for them to come to this moment, it's like the most gratifying experience because these fighters go through so much and you got to respect what they do. And uh, honestly, it's, um, it's an honor to go to war with them. Absolutely, man. You know, Shakur Stevenson was there at the fights, and he was definitely talking more about Miguel Burchent than, you know, than Oscar. Um, did you guys come across each other, or did, did uh, Shakur, you know, make his way to your guys' locker room to congrat, congrat uh, Oscar anyway? No, no. You know, I mean, you know, we were in a bubble too, so I uh, we didn't really see him. Uh, obviously, you know, we were caught up in the moment, so we weren't really uh, to worry about other people or, or stuff like that. But um, I did see some comments. I saw, you know, he did, you know, say congratulations to Oscar. He respected it. Yeah, I think he mentioned something along the lines that he made him eat his words. And right. Obviously, I see that he wants to call him out and stuff like that. Yeah, I did see that, but I, we had no contact with him. You know, which was a great question, Amilcar, about the whole uh, um, promoter. Yeah, the whole promoter thing. Uh, uh, because Leonard Ellerby is a completely different type of manager. He likes to be in front of the camera or he likes to be he likes being very vocal with his opinions. OK, now Tank Davis is a name that was immediately brought up after your fighter uh, getting that KO of the year. Uh Fans are saying they want to see this fight happen. Then LRB tweets out two fans saying, um, Oscar's too little. You guys complain about Santa Cruz, blah, 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 blah. What's your, what's your thoughts about when a manager intervenes like that? Rather, when, I th- when I'm thinking of a manager should do, should welcome anything because their job is to make fights for their fighter with the most money. Do you think that's like putting your foot in your mouth as a manager or kicking yourself in the ass by accident when you intervene like that and possibly kill a possible showdown between your fighter and his? I mean, that's a good question. And honestly, uh, I think um, to me, it, it came across, maybe he didn't want to come across, but it came across like he was intimidated by, you know, there's a new, you know, someone at the top of the level that was kind of, you know, uh, next to Tank. So it sounded like he was more intimidated. I, I totally understand that as a manager, you're supposed to defend your fighter uh, and speak on it. But, you know, I think that they they, they didn't come across, uh, my, my opinion, they kind of came, came across intimidated, um, you know. But at the end of the day, listen, as you said, Oscar Valdez needs a dance partner. Tank Davis needs a dance partner. Uh, at the end of the day, these, fan, these fans want to see these type of big fights. Uh, our history, you know, as you know, uh, with Israel Vasquez, Marquez, Abner Morris, and, you know, the, the Bantamweight and all that stuff. Like, we don't shy away from big fights. So uh, we we are excited, you know, when to, to, to be in the talks and give the fans what they want to see. Absolutely, man. A milk cart? No, I, I would actually ask for your thoughts on Shakur, but I you're a very professional guy, and I probably wouldn't uh i don't want to like get you to say something just because I, I think if i i honestly don't think that Shakur's done anything to deserve a fight with with yeah. valdez um well, i mean he's he did pretty much nothing at Ooh. 126 you do so you do agree with that there frank is that Shakur hasn't done anything to get in there with mm-hmm. oscar well he really hasn't 
uh, that's just a fact. I mean, I, I, I think that Shakur Stevenson is honestly a, a great fighter. Uh, we went up against him with uh, Joe Gonzalez, so I have a lot of respect for him. I mean, right. he's obviously going to have a bright future. Um, but to say that he's deserving of a shot or anything like that, uh, I would totally disagree. Uh, I know that Oscar Valdez was at featherweight uh, for seven years, you know, and I think, you know, uh, Stevenson was only there for, I don't know, maybe two, two, one year, maybe one year. I don't know. Hmm. I really don't know. But he wasn't there for a very long time. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, at, at, even though I feel that a fight between him and Oscar Valdez is, you know, will happen, I, I, I do feel that's going to happen because that's a fight that we are very interested in. Uh, at the end of the day, he's not in a position to demand certain fights. Uh, he's kind of the opponent's side right now, and he's got to work his way up. Um, but we look forward to fighting Stevenson in the near future. Let me, you know, let me ask you what I'm gonna. I'm gonna give you some names and tell me which ones are the more like more approachable and more realistic in the making making happen on the table of the negotiation table. Uh, Shakur Stevenson, Tank Davis, Jamal Herring, and Andrew Casino. <clears throat> um, I think they're all realistically. I I, I feel that Stevenson, uh, Jamal Herring. Cancio or Cancio is a uh, is a um, realistic fight. Uh, I don't know. I, we would we would totally be interested in Tank Davis. Uh, I just feel sometimes that they just have a uh, you know their their promotion has a, a totally different agenda. Um, I know that Tank Davis just from his short history, he's called out Lomachenko, Ryan Garcia. At the end of the day, that none of these fights have actually happened. Right. And uh, I don't want to, you know, waste my time either and talk about something that, you know, you know, get the fans up to excited about something that possibly may not happen. Right. Now, if they're interested, they know they've been around the, uh, the business. You know, they obviously make an offer. You know, talk to top rank and uh, you know, let's go from there. I only have one one last question. Uh, Amilcar, do you have a, a last question or anything for Frank or? Oh, I just want to thank you for coming on and uh, want to wish you all the continued success. I think you've laid out a blueprint for how to be a tremendous manager, uh, running a boutique operation, not taking on too much, doing like your talent identification. And I, I just think you've done a really good job with Espinosa Boxing. I just want to continue to uh, wish you all the uh, continued success. Hey, thank you. I really, guys, appreciate that. Honestly, it means a lot. And like I said, uh, anytime you guys want me on the show, if I can get you any other fighters on the show, just let me know. I'm not in my heart to find. Absolutely, man. Before I let you go, I do have just this one last question here, Frank. And, you know, the pandemic has affected everybody, you know. Uh, I'm wondering, what did you guys do different during this pandemic issue, whereas other camps and teams and management have gone wrong about it, uh, meaning like Joseph uh, Jojo Diaz uh, not making weight, to Adrian Broner not making weight, saying that there was issues in the hotel, they can't do a whole lot. How was it that your guy was able to be on point? What was it that, or what was was it that that you guys did that's different from everybody else? And they should follow the lead of what you guys did. Well, I mean, honestly, I can't speak on behalf of Joe, uh, Joseph Diaz or any other fighter. Uh, obviously, we have a, a tight knit uh, family, so we, uh, you know, as far as with Eddie Reno, so I think you got to have a strong uh, circle, and and that starts with that. And honestly, Oscar Valdez is probably one of the most disciplined 
fighters I think you you'll ever meet. Uh, the kid is like um, check this out. He he for example. He can tell, he writes everything down. So, for example, if he's uh, six weeks into camp, he knew where his weight's at from the last, you know, from a year ago or two oh, years wow. ago. He knows, he knows if he's on target or not, not on target. So he, he writes documents, everything, as far as where his weight's at, what type of work he's putting in, where he should be at in training camp. I mean, he honestly makes her job easier i mean there's fighters that we i'm not gonna lie we have to kind of babysit them overlook them oscar valdez is the complete opposite of that if anything he's one of the most disciplined fighters uh out there and and honestly like I, i'm impressed like I, I mean he'll show you he can show you documents like this is where i'm at and he's he's done it from like probably i don't know maybe his 10th uh pro fight mm-hmm. so he's he's been on it doing this for many years and um but also, too, you got to, you know, commend Eddie Reynoso. Uh, we also have a chef for Oscar Valdez uh, that helps him uh, make sure that his, you know, his eating and all that. So, but uh, you just got to have a, a, a disciplined fighter, a strong a training camp, and, and obviously a good team behind you. Uh, and honestly, you got to be motivated. I mean, if you're in this sport, uh, the, you know, everyone wants to be in that position that you're where you're at. And, and especially in this pandemic, what we've learned is whether you know you may not get an opportunity to fight as much as some other guys. So when you get your when they, you get the call to make a fight, you got to take advantage of it. You know you got to shine because you don't know when you're going to get back in the ring. You know we don't know when this thing's going to end. Right. So yeah. There you go, man. It's always a pleasure having you on, bro. I mean, it's been a while since I've had you on leaving the ring, and I'm happy that we got we're able to get yeah. you on. And you know, the one thing about you and your dad and, and the whole team itself, you guys are very accessible. Um, you guys are really engaging with the fans. And I think that's why wholeheartedly, like, boxing fans truly love the Espinosa Boxing Club. Hey, you guys keep doing what you're doing. The formula that you guys have always created with your fighters have always been 100% solid, man. Again, I appreciate you coming on the show. Hey, thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. Anytime. Let me know. All right, brother. Thanks. Take care. I'm, I'm going to go drink a beer now. <laughs> <laughs> right on, brother. Have, have two for me. <laughs> I'll have three. Why not? Right. There you go, man. Right. Have a good one. You right, too. Guys. Frank Espinosa boxing here on Leaving in the Ring, uh, discussing their win for Oscar Valdez over Miguel Barchan. If you missed the whole interview, don't worry about it. It'll come right back up. Um, I think he answered a lot of stuff, man. He threw out a lot of jewels, too, there for us to, like, you know, hang on and talk about here. Amilcar, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think he's doing it right. Boutique operation. Don't take on too much. Do your talent identification. Uh, don't be all like Puff Daddy in front of the cameras, you know, with the shiny suits on you, all up in the videos, you know. <laughs> All up in the records, you know. Right. All ad libbing every two seconds, you know. Let let your fighters shine and do all you can from behind the scenes to support them. Absolutely, you know. I mean, look. Uh, if you look at their track record, I mean, the fighters that they've had uh, signed, they've done tremendous work. I mean, you want to think about Admiral Morris uh, in the beginning when he was in the bantamweight tournament. That's Espinoza. They groomed Abner Morris from the beginning. They got him signed to Golden Boy. Uh, look at Israel Vasquez was a guy that was written off. Nobody wanted to deal with uh, Israel Vasquez. They got him back on track. 
And he was in, in, a, in a trilogy, great Mexican trilogy with uh, uh, Rafael Marquez. I mean, uh, these guys got a track uh, uh, record that is not, you cannot deny at, at, at all, you know. Um, Absolutely. Yeah, and the other thing is what I like, what he said about, you know, Ellerby. Uh, it seems with that tweet that they're kind of intimidated. I'm pretty sure Ellerby would tweet out, that's bullshit. That's not even close to truth. Uh, but but you know when you start, and I see what he was saying because the the, the, the criticism was that Tank got uh, Leo Santa Cruz, who was coming up in weight, and that Oscar Valdez is he came up to weight from weight as well to, to in a one thirty, but he beat the man to be the man. I think that's the only difference. Where Santa Cruz didn't even do that; he just got right into bed with Tank Davis. There was no test run whether or not he would be a force to be reckoned with at the 130 division, right? Absolutely right. And it uh, was refreshing to hear that he was just open and honest about where Shakur Stevenson is uh, at this stage. I was surprised he said that. That threw me back a little bit there, man. Yeah, he's a mild-mannered guy, but you know the truth comes out of everybody, man. So um, I know you like hearing that. As soon as he said, oh, you're right. <laughs> that was... Music to your ears right there, brother. was, Dave. So I uh, want to thank everybody because I'm going to have to dip out. Um, we yeah, same a, here. Nice long run here. And I want to thank everyone for joining us tonight. Uh, and um, I'm going to try to get you on again tomorrow if you're free, Dave. Maybe I could phone you in um, when we do the Leaving in the Ring live at 5. Um, yeah, I'll do my best. You know, um, just that yesterday I was in a spot where there wasn't a lot of noise. And I yeah. was, you know, I, I could, but, you know, it's it's a hit and miss for me on on, on certain days, you know, and you know that everybody knows that about me on Libra Ring, yeah. My my topic for tomorrow is the uh, pus ebo, so it's it's a the placebo effect for uh, it's a word that rhymes with stussy but starts with a p for those kind of people who really can't take a loss and need to. Kind of the reasons why losses uh, happen and justify them and is this in, know, is this into the play of the Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder anniversary? We might, we might add into that. Yeah, we might add into that, but it's mostly at the fans uh, who are a little right. bit of a, you know, as I said, it's they need a little bit of a puss ebo, like it's a placebo, but uh, you know, it's <laughs> the word puss is apparently. They can't take losses, man, and they need to invent all kind of uh, excuses for them. So it's the placebo effect. And I'm going to talk about that uh, tomorrow, and we'll break that down a little bit. And, yeah, so, Dave, if I could get you on for that, would be great. Absolutely. Uh, I'll do my best effort to get on there, man. Are you going to have a – let me ask you this. Are you going to have uh, a couch there so that you could put this fan and then you can counsel them? Is this going to be like, uh, you know uh, – uh, a therapist, a, Dr. Amilcar. <laughs> I'm going to give them the, yeah, I'm going to have to give them the real, the real deal, man. The real reason that, that their favorite fighters lose. Cause uh, they've been, they've been taking a lot of placebos, man, on, on these channels, man. You know? They have, they have actually. And I think, uh, yeah, effect, that should know? be great. So, uh, <laughs> that should be you know, we'll great. About that a little bit tomorrow, leave it in the ring. A live live. If you haven't already check out the, Show that David was on yesterday. We talked a lot about GGG and his record. Up next, D Styles channel. They're going to be interviewing 
um, Gabriel Flores Jr. along with a Teofimo Sr. So that should be good. And if you yes, catch I'm looking forward to that. The uh, leaving in the ring radio network on demand, Pandora, and all those other great places. So thanks again, Dave. Absolutely, bro. Don't forget, guys. I am coming back with my quick takes. Um, I got a good topic that I do want to bring up and we could discuss here on Leave the Ring. Uh, probably either tonight or maybe tomorrow. I'm not really sure. Uh, really depends. Uh, my shoulder is blasted. It's, it is, it's freaking hurt. My painkillers are actually worn off right now. Anyways, guys, have a great, great weekend. I hope to talk to everybody soon. Don't forget, tonight is uh, uh, Hispanics Causing Panic uh, with special guest Gabriel Flores and Teofimo Lopez Sr. Also with Dr. Amilcar who'll be on there as well, help hosting the show. Maybe he can get him in a trance. One of those guys, you know. <laughs> Again, guys, have a great weekend. You guys take care. Take care, Dave.